They call it Stormy Monday But Tuesday's just as bad I am a cop with Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. A Southern storm of bold, liberating rock shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. Now on Pantheon Podcast, where you'll find other great podcasts, uh, such as The Hook Rocks, uh, with our good buddy, uh, Jay Scott, um, Hanging and Banging is another good one with uh, Carmine Apiece and Vinny Apice, um, you know, Decibel Geek, uh, the list goes on and on. Uh, yep, we are in good hands. And, and Jason's home. here too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's, but that's not as important as the other stuff. <laughs> How you doing? Good, good, very good, very good, very good. Uh, we can see the sun you know, it's been great. Is it getting place. warmer? Are you guys, get, oh, you yeah, guys are yeah. getting some spring yeah. weather? Shorts and a t-shirt walking the dog. Yeah, I think we're, and we're in our run now where it's going to stay nice in Ohio and probably get hot and humid before we want to, but there is definitely light now and it's, it's beautiful and it makes me want to go outside and watch some concerts. For sure. Yeah, 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 definitely. I am going to try to go see the Steepwater Band in Minneapolis first weekend Ooh. in June. Uh, got Whiskey Myers in uh, July. Are they in Fargo or somewhere else? They are in Grand Forks, which is 80 miles okay. north of here. Um, God, there's north of you? That's got to be like a frozen wasteland. <laughs> Not far from the Canadian border. Right. Um, going to see Tesla at the end of August and then hopefully in Vegas in October. Um what else? I know I'm probably forgetting something, but it sure seems like uh, there's a lot of bands that 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 are very uh, influenced by Almond Brothers, uh, Leonard Skinner, and whatnot. That, that the Black kinda, Crows, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, of course, we just talked to one for the road. Uh, we got some other, you know, bands scheduled to come on and that kind of style. But uh, we uh, were fortunate to talk to someone that we've wanted to talk to for a long time that, that mentioned, you know, the Almond Brothers and the Black Crows. And yeah, you know, and w- again, we've been a big fan for a long time. If you're a Blackberry Smoke fan, if you're Almonds, Black Crows, like you said, Brian, right in your genre. They released a kick-ass live album, which, again, I've not had a chance to hear them live. Uh, or see them live, I should say. But hearing them, hearing this concert makes me even more um, excited to see them live at some point if they ever come to Ohio. But yeah, we had Robert John from Robert John on and the Rec on today. Yeah, it was, uh, like I said, I'm not super, super familiar with, you know, from the beginning of their career to where they're at now. So it was good to, good to hear all about that. And uh, some other very cool things, some uh, food discussions, guitar discussions. Uh, you get some good laughs on this one. 
So <laughs> why don't you guys kick back, relax, and listen to our conversation with Robert John from Robert John and the Wreck. segment of the podcast and jason is going to introduce our guest uh and i'm very excited to introduce our guest because we have been a fan of his music for a long time and wanted to get him on here so coming to you today from little rock arkansas but actually from southern california it's robert john from robert john on the wreck how you doing man good 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 how are you guys we're good we're good how's uh little rock it's 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 been great you know some good days off and uh yeah it's uh can't complain out here very cool very cool so uh yeah. we'll just start like um how did the band come together and then we'll you know start talking about the single and last record so how, how did this all sure. start coming together oh man um so it's kind of hard to be where to begin but i started writing songs and playing music and and uh, we were kind of playing as the Robert John band in town. And Andrew Spatman, uh, the drummer, of Robert John and the Wreck, was with me doing all that. And uh, we kind of just, everyone was in the room, you know, putting songs together, writing and sacrificing lives to go on tours that made no money. You know, we were all kind of doing it together. It wasn't, uh, hey, guys, I have a gig. Can you guys do it? And, you know, if not, I'll call backups or something. You know, we, we were more of a band um, kind of vibe. So, we um we decided to call it Robert John and the Wreck, and uh, you know since then we've gone through a couple lineup changes, um, but that was kind of the birth of it in 2011, and uh, we started recording a record and hitting the road and and going from there. Play being from Southern California, playing your style of music, the Southern rock blues influence, kind of jammy rock. Like that's not an area that's necessarily a hotbed. Of the style so like kind of what how did you get to the style that you guys play man um no it's not a hotbed for it at all um yeah but we just started playing music that came out of us um it wasn't a um directional thing where we're like hey well, let's do this type of music um that wasn't even a thought in our heads we just got into the room wrote songs and that's how they came out um it's just whatever came out of us and so um you know we, we would link up with other bands who had similar kind of vibes down here. And, um, you know, we would, you, you got to play. So we would just play, you know, we played with all sorts of stuff from, from metal to, you know, more indie rock to, to, to more of like the punky rock. Cause at, in Southern California, there's so many different um, right. things going on. You know, it's not like, Oh, well all the bluesy rock play here, you know, it's like, there's only a couple of venues and, y'all figure out how to play together. And I think it's great too, because then the shows are diverse, especially when you're younger, um, you get to meet people that who would not really normally come to a show like that and vice versa. 
So you mentioned uh, have, there's a few other bands out there like yourself, so you were able to find some kinship. Is there any particular area of, of Los Angeles or Hollywood where your music plays more or your kind of bands play more or are you playing all over? Um, pretty much all over. I mean, we've done the Viper Room a ton of times as far as L.A. goes. Um, and we, we really stick to Orange County for the most part. <clears throat> um, so there's a venue, kind of our home base growing, and uh, it's called the Wayfair uh, in Costa Mesa. And uh, I mean, but they have every every kind of music through there. Um, and yeah, you know, they're just, uh, I feel like there's just so much that it's hard for a venue to, to kind of be that niche, uh, except for maybe a jazz club, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but we've played a couple jazz clubs. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty eclectic out here. Uh, any particular bands that we may not have heard of that just come to the top of your head and it's kind of more in your genre from back home. Yeah. Oh, there's a, uh, there's a band called Jeremiah red that played for many years and we, we were going, and, uh, you know, I think one of the first times we played House of Blues, we opened up for them and we thought they were, you know, we thought they were bigger than they were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but they were just another local band and we kind of started a, a kinship with them and did residencies with them and, and did a seven inch split with them. And uh, they were kind of our brothers uh, when we were first starting. And um, and they're still a great band and uh, they don't do much anymore. But if they ever do, uh, they're called Jeremiah Red. Right on, right on. So with your current lineup now, and you, you said you went through some lineup changes, and I can kind of kind of see here and follow along on the internet. Sure. Are any of those the founding members, or, or how long has this version been playing? Um, Andrew and I have been in it since the very beginning, our drummer. Okay, yep. Uh, and we're the two that uh, have, yeah, still are still here. <laughs> does, does that change? How does that change? So with changing of members, I guess, from you know, 12 years ago to now, how does that affect your, your songwriting? Oh, you know, I mean, I, I think that we've been able to find the right people to, to be a part of the right band. Yeah. Um, so every time we change, we, you know, we, it just happens so that everyone's just great writers. Um, and and I, in the version you know, that you but, have now too, man, like, you know, listen to the bre- progression of your, your records, even up to this, this new one, this live record, I, this, this version is like certainly my favorite. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure that, that, uh, Henry and Warren now have been in the band longer than, uh, than other people, uh, you know, the longest, um, you know, lead guitar and bass player that we've had. So that, you know, this kind of, um, iteration of the band has, has done more and uh, been, you know, out there. Sometimes so. Brian and I argue over who raises our hand first. If you didn't notice. <laughs> I like it. I keep, I keep, well, I keep seeing that. Well, cause we have good questions. Cause again, we want to talk to you for a long time. So uh, guitar player, you know, you're a guitar player and you've talked about, um, uh, was it Kyle or Chris or Christopher, your other guitar player right now has been in there quite a bit of time, right? Yeah, Chris was in there for quite a bit of time, yeah. And then right now you've got Henry, uh, right? Henry's playing guitar? Yep, yep. Okay. Henry James. So you guys, so listen to this last live album. You guys are really attuned with each other on stage, playing off each other. Very, very Almond Brothers, Eve, with, with kind of the parts that you're playing and even, you know, separate together. Like, how, how do you get to that point of, you know, you guys getting there, particularly when you've had some band member changeover? 
Oh, it's a, it's a lot of rehearsing and it's a lot of being on the road. I mean, you can rehearse your heart out in a, in a rehearsal studio. Um, and it's good really to, to get up to that point, but you really learn once you get on the road and you're playing every night and you're feeding off the audience and you're understanding how each other plays and works. I mean, it, it's the road that really tightens you up and makes you into a band. So when you pull people in, like to come in as replacement members, we'll take guitar. Are you looking for somebody you naturally kind of click with and can kind of feel that with, or are you cool of like, this is just a good player doing what we want and we can kind of build to where we need to go. We have to connect. It has to be a, there has to be a connection there. I mean, we've, we've had a couple of players who are just great players, but their connection isn't there. You know, it's, it's a chemistry thing for sure. And we were playing with, uh, we were playing with Henry, uh, quite a few shows before he had joined the band and he, he, you know, he did an Eagles tribute with us as the second lead. And, um, you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't a foreign thing. Yeah. um, If you will. I mean, it it almost sounds like to me again, this, this live record is great and I know we'll get into it, but it's almost like a subliminal thing where you guys are just instinctually on the same page with what you're doing. It's just, uh, it's just great to listen to. Thank you. And we feel that way too. I mean, the, the less you have to think on stage, it's, it's makes it for a better experience for sure. <laughs> for everyone involved. For everyone. There we go. <laughs> so let's go back to the last studio record, Shine a Light on My Brother. Uh, from the time it was conception to completion, you want to talk about that? Yeah. I mean, when we started writing it, it was kind of pretty deep into uh, into COVID. So we were, um, you know, taking the time to write songs. Um, and we, we actually thought it was going to be an acoustic record um, at first because we weren't getting into the room and turning on the amps and, and letting the drums go. We were kind of sitting in the room and playing acoustic guitars and trying to write songs. Um, and then as it kind of evolved, you know, it's like having an acoustic song and being like, man, this would sound way better with an electric guitar and drums on it. Um, and then kind of just formed into that. And then, um, you know, towards, towards when we were going to record it, kind of things started loosening up on, on life. And, you know, it it was a hard time for, I think everyone, um, you know, you cramped up, you, you're not doing what you normally love to do. And, and, um, yeah, it, it wasn't the easiest thing in the world, but, um, we, you know, we made it through that and, uh, kept on trucking. (laughs) <laughs> Especially being in California, too. You know, you guys really had some tight restrictions for a long while. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Yeah, I mean, uh, us as the band, we, we kind of kept it for ourselves, you know. Uh, we, we still got together um, and and did our thing because if we lost that aspect, then we would have lost everything, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, that wasn't that wasn't something that we were – that we cared to, to risk is losing our ability to move forward during that time. <clears throat> I mean, especially off the, off the wheels of Last Night on the Highway being released and everything. Um, yeah, we had to figure it out, <laughs> just like everybody else. <laughs> just like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the late, latest single is fantastic. I just love it. Bring me back home again. Uh, is that Thank just you. like a song that came up, or is that building to another record? Or yeah, you know we we've released quite a few singles this year already, um, and we we got the opportunity to work with some great producers, um, like two tracks each, just to kind of you know, try some stuff out. And so that was one of the first songs we did with Kevin Shirley um, in a weekend uh, session. Big time producer. And, um, yeah. And uh, we co-wrote that with uh, our good buddy, Ian. Ian was also in Jeremiah Red, the band I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. So he, he's still kind of a co-writer with us. And uh, yeah, man, it just, uh, you know, we, we sit in the room and we write songs knowing that we have a session and, uh, you never kind of know how the song is going to be portrayed once we're done recording it. And uh, we're all super stoked on that song. And I think it's great. How'd you guys hook, get hooked up with Kevin Shirley? Um, well, he, he produces a lot of Joe Bonamassa's stuff. Yep. Um, so he was, we, we had met him quite a few times already uh, on the blues cruises and everything. So it was very natural. Um, it, you know, it wasn't, Hey, nice to meet you. It was, Hey Kev, you know, it was, um, <laughs> You know, so that aspect was that it felt comfortable, you know. And uh, did you guys approach him, or did he say, "Hey, at some point, if you guys have an opportunity, I'd love to produce you"? Um, I think I think we approached him as far as we're gonna work. We're gonna record two songs with another producer. What producer? Let's see if Kevin wants is interested in hanging out with us. <laughs> yeah. So. So. So what do you bring to the table with you guys going in? And Brian's right. This, this track is tremendous. Thanks. Yeah. You know, he just, um, it, it's a lot of little things that producers bring that um, are kind of hard to put into place. Um, but little things that just make the song a little bit better. Um, you know, like, like hearing that putting a mandolin in the middle of the song would be cool. Um, I don't think any of us would have thought that. Um, and then you hear it and you're like, oh, that's cool. Um, you know, little little things to make the song move in in ways that us as a band don't hear because we're in the, in the middle of it. Um, having those outside ears, like another, it's basically another set of ears in the band to kind of hear the overall sound and, and, and move it from there to make it um, a better piece of artwork. 
Yeah, so I kind of got two questions for you. One's kind of fun, but what what band do you think made the mandolin cool in rock music? Because I have my theory. <laughs> well, you're saying that mandolin is still cool in rock music. Um, I heck yeah, I am. <laughs> I have, I'm not sure. If I mean, I would yet. hope so. You put it on your record. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I'm not sure about it. Um, no, I, I mean probably probably Led Zeppelin. There you go. Absolutely. How many how many songs do they yeah. have that are badass that have mandolin on them? I couldn't tell you. I know. I, I'm sure Henry could. <laughs> yeah. Like most of three and, you know, then four with yeah. Battle of Ever. Like there's, and it's a badass. And again, it, it, it's kind of a smarter incorporation. So when I go to, into my next question, is Kevin more of a guy who challenges you in the terms of, Hey, do you think this is the best thing you could do or think about this? Or does he directionally tell you, you should try this or you should do that? I think it's a mix of both. Um, okay. You know, we're, we're, Kevin still puts us in charge of our material. Um, if he says, Hey, I think we should try this and we try it. And all of us are like, Kevin, that's stupid, which we never do because he's awesome. Um, but you know, it, it's <laughs> not you're like listening, it's, Kevin. It's, yeah. It's not like his way or the highway and, and he's strict. Like we're in, you know, right. A classroom or something, you know? Um, but we kind of do that the same way with each other in the band. If someone has an idea, we're going to try it. We're always going to try it. Cause once you try it, then you can really see, Oh, that doesn't work or that does work. And everyone kind of is on the same page. So, you know, someone suggesting something and us doing it, it usually sounds better and it's just something that we never heard because either we played that song eight times in rehearsals trying to get it together and then we hear a demo for two weeks before we record it so we you know you end up hearing things and that's what you are planning on so when something changes because someone else hears it for the first time that um you kind of sit back and you're like well i didn't hear it like that and that's obvious because you've never thought about it Does yeah that your question? yeah 100 percent. you did a great job absolutely <laughs> I would imagine too having a pre-established relationship with somebody that trust factor is a lot more there for you guys to be willing to go with a suggestion. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and especially a, a relationship that didn't start out of anything other than, oh, hey, I'm Robert. You know, you're Kevin. How are you? You know, how's the <laughs> wine? Um, you know, it wasn't like, oh, that's Kevin Shirley. Let's go up and meet him and say hi. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, you weren't starstruck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what is the, and you don't, please don't name the person, but what's the worst piece of advice you've gotten from a producer in the studio? <laughs> um, man, I, I don't know. Um, to use a mandolin? We, 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 <laughs> no, that was, that was the best piece. <laughs> um, you know, we, we worked with a lot of great producers and I think that, um, a great producer knows what to do and when to say it and what, like to, what to offer. Yeah. Um, so I can't really think of any, like, you know, the worst thing that someone said because I'm pretty stoked on everything we've ever done. So yeah, I don't, uh, I couldn't tell you. Well, let's flip that. What's, what's one really good piece of advice you've, you've gotten from working with a producer? Um, I think it, it's, it's letting not being so critical on your performance um let the song feel like you guys are in the room playing it um and even when it comes to tracking vocals you know like feel the song and sing it how you want to sing it 
don't be so over, you know, over the top on, you know, if everything is perfect and sounds great. So because it's, it's, it's it's music, it's, it's art. It doesn't, um, you can hear when things are lined up in pro tools and are, everything's perfect. And there's the time you're not doing pop music either. Your your music is a live style of music that transitions. It doesn't need to be, Mm -hmm. you know, pop perfect polish. I would agree with that. Yeah. Do you guys track live or does everybody do their instruments individually? We track live yeah. off the floor um, as much as as much as we can, you know. Yeah. I mean, again, you guys are such a, a, a kind of phenomenal live band that I think that would be the most productive way for you guys to record. Yeah, I don't know if we've ever done it <laughs> a different way. <laughs> so we were chatting a little bit before we started rolling uh about otis and what other bands do you have like a good camaraderie with friendship that's such a uh, thing i try to focus on on the podcast is that relationship between bands crossing paths out on the road uh any other bands like from you know this blues based southern based from the southeast or anywhere that that, that's someone that yeah you, you like to hang with yeah, I mean, um, there's a band called Them Dirty Roses. Yep. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Andrew is one of our old friends. Yeah, yeah those guys are great. Um, they've come out to a couple things we've done, and we try to get out to anything we can that they do. They, they play a lot. And um, we played a festival in Kansas together. Was that last Firewater? year? And we, it was in was Paola, fire- Kansas. Oh, Paola. Okay. It wasn't the Firewater. Yeah. But, anyways, we stayed at the same hotel, so we just hung out all night and and probably made the hotel staff scared. Did um, you try to keep up drinking with them? No, we I, we know that from the first time we met them. Uh, no, there's. I don't These guys are Olympic level athletes when it comes to that. They they are, and they're great. They're great guys, and uh, so yeah, so they're a lot of fun when we get to when we get to cross paths with them. Yeah, um, th- there's so many more that I'm just not that I'm blanking on, but. Um, I've got yeah, a I mean, I, I mean, yeah. Was, uh, I mean, Steve Jewell used to be in Otis, and mm-hmm. um, you know, we uh, it was it was great to. It's great that he's now in Blackstone Cherry. I mean, last time we saw Blackstone Cherry, we because we went on tour with them a, really, a long time ago. Um, so it was great to see those guys again. Um, just great guys. It, I mean, it really just the band just needs to, you know, have good people in it. Um, and when we meet bands who, with people that we don't want to hang out or talk with, you know, it does, it's, it's a difference, you know, um, we just would get off the road with Blackberry Smoke. Those guys are fantastic people, oh, awesome. great human, Love. great human beings. And uh, we hope to be back on the road with them soon. Great um, style matchup yeah. with you guys playing on a bill, man. It's amazing. We've had Charlie great. on a couple of times. He is such a, a good dude, good storyteller. I can only imagine yeah. the kind of fun you guys have on tour together. Yeah. And he likes and he, to bring people up to jam too. Did, you, does he, did he bring you up to jam at all? Not a, no. We, uh, you know, we didn't have a hell of a lot of time. It was, uh, it was three shows all in a row with some long drives and then four shows with the same. So there wasn't a lot of time, but uh, it was good. How many shows did you do with those guys? We just did seven. Um, we did two, two different runs. It was three on top. And then we came home and recorded a new record and then flew back out the next day and did the next, uh, four and then 
we started this run now um, that we're on for, we have six more shows on it uh, and then we're back home. Okay. Okay. So, we need uh, some Ohio dates, man. Like <laughs> I always look for you guys. You never come through Ohio. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's true. Um, I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll get. Why do you hate there. Ohio? <laughs> we don't, we don't. Um, there's a lot of places we haven't made it back to in, in a while, but we hope to uh, fix that problem. You kind of go all around. I see it's like, well, all the states are around, but just come here, please, please. Yeah, it, it feels like we have some vendetta about Ohio, but um, every time I've been in Ohio, I think we've had a good time. So it's, it's definitely not that. <laughs> so after the break, then when, when when's the next leg start? What's up next for touring? Um, seven days after we get home, we'll yeah. head out to Europe for a weekend and then okay. we'll be home for another seven and then for another, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, it's constant, but at least we get some time in, at home. Very cool. You said just for a weekend in Europe? Yeah. I think we have four shows out there. I think we're there for about five days, six days, maybe. Whirlwind tour. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh. We'll see how it goes. I'll let you guys know. All right. <laughs> sure, you go to Europe, but not Ohio. I got it. I got you. I see. I see how it is. <laughs> well, one, one's a lot easier to get to. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Um, your new live album. Amazing. Again, we kind of talked a little bit about that. Just, I think it, I've never gone to a live show because you won't come to Ohio, but <laughs> I'm gonna, there's going to yeah. be a recurring theme on this podcast if you haven't noticed. <laughs> but I think if I had gone to a live show for comparison, this is, this is exactly what, um, this is exactly what the experience would be like with this record. So my question is, how did this live album come about? Why'd you do it? Why'd you decide to record where you did and all the, all the good details? Yeah. You know, we, we do stuff live a lot different than the studio records. Um, for the most part, there's certain songs we don't. I'm just saying that now until someone says, oh, well, you guys play this song exactly the same. Um, but, you know, there's just a different vibe when it comes to us playing live. And uh, we wanted to capture that because, you know, it's really who we are. And so we came up with kind of a plan um, around 2018, 2019 um, to do it in Europe. At the time, Europe was our biggest market. And it made sense to do at the center of Europe in Brussels um, at the, and they have a beautiful theater there called the AB. And um, so that was our plan. And we, we, we rented out the venue for 2020 and that was our goal. And um, 2020 happened and that tour got moved to 2021. And then the 2021 tour got moved to 2022, um, which actually I think worked in, in our benefit is just to become a better band. Um, become better players, excuse me, and and become better at the songs because we weren't we were still touring, and so um, yeah, in some aspect, um, I think it worked out. I think it became. I think it was a better record done in 2022 than it would have been in 2020, um, and uh, it gave us some more time to plan and to get a good video team out and to kind of just put more pieces together to to make a better product and a better way to um record how we are live so um yeah we finally got to do it in 2022 on the longest tour we'll ever do 
um, which may probably made it better too. Um, so you said at the time Europe was your biggest fan base and you chose that area. Was that, <clears throat> I guess, was your thought with that to inspire you to play in, because it, you know, to a top level with the fan base that's going to be there with the energy, or is it just because you just dig the venue? Well, no, it, it was, it was because of the audience and because of what we've done in Europe so far. I mean, it was either, it was either Europe or a, a home show, you know? Um, and I think our, our thought was that the energy that comes from a bunch of people who are excited to be there because we don't often play there in Brussels um, would be better energy than a home show where people see us all the time, where some of the people are friends, some of the people are family. It's just a different type of energy uh, when it comes to a live show that we wanted to capture what we what we do almost every night in some aspect. Um, and that's, that would be out in Europe where we don't know 60% of the people in the audience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's why we chose to do it out there. So how does your songwriting uh, come about? Is that, is it deliberate? Do songs come to you? You say, I'm going to sit down and write a song. Does it show up in soundcheck? How does that work with you guys? Every song has its story. And I think someone said that before, and that's why I said it. Um, but I, every song is so different. Um, I can guarantee that I've had a song come to me at night, and I woke up and wrote it down. And that became a song. Um, you know, there's songs that you, like, I'm going to write a song, and you sit down, and and something actually happens, because most of the time, for me, it doesn't. <laughs> when I When I say I'm just going to sit down and write, um, and that's usually not what I do. I just pick up a guitar and without any intention and then something comes out um, or some songs, you know, <clears throat> I'll record a riff and three years later, we'll use that riff in a song. Um, and a lot for this last record, we didn't have a lot of time to sit and think too much. So a lot of it did come from sound checks. We just say, all right, let's play something and we'll just jam something. Someone plays a riff. It's cool. We keep digging into it. Um, cause you know, at a sound check, you're not, you're not thinking too much. You're, you only have, you know, 10 minutes to spare and you know, whatever goes, goes and we record it and we listen back through things and we're like, Hey, that would actually sound pretty cool. Let's figure that out. Um, but yeah, so songs come from everywhere and, and everyone in the band is, is a songwriter on their own accord. So it really helps with the cohesiveness of, of the group. Um, when it comes to, to lyrics and, and melody ideas to riffs and, and how a song's layout would be. Um, it comes from all over the place. And um, I think it'd be easier if I could narrow it down <laughs> and say, <laughs> Oh, this is our, this is how we do it. And, you know, but at some aspect it, it, it would make it too rigid and it, I'd probably find less happiness and hope with that. It's kind of more fun when you don't know what's coming and it comes and you're like, Oh, this is great. Um, you know, cause I feel like you, there's a lot of things you can force and I feel like songwriting is one of those things that I personally can't force on myself or anyone. It just kind of has to be in the moment and, um, yeah. Well, it gives you a I lot more. That, oh, sorry. Go ahead, John. I, I think, I think for, for me personally, the, the more you force something, the, the less exciting it is, no matter how good it is. Um, yeah. 
and I'm going to kind of correlate into something real fast and you hope, uh, you know, you expand on this, but one, I think it gives you a little bit more inspiration and variety for the type of songs that you can have. And two, with most every band these days being a lot more independent or, you know, smaller label, you don't have record execs telling you, you need to sound a certain way. Oh yeah. I mean, we've never, I don't think we've ever let a song go because it didn't fit our mold <laughs> or yeah. something. Um, you know, I mean, we just like to write good songs and we hope that every songs are good. I mean, there's a couple that we have that we all know are just kind of not as good as the others, <laughs> but there's right. something in there that, that, that makes it fun for us, you know? And, um, I think every band has that, you know, every band has that song that, that came out and you're like, man, that was a great song. I want to write that again. <laughs> and then you can't. And then you, you'd beat yourself up because all you want to do is write that song again. And then you don't write a song for three months, you know, but if you're willing to kind of just open the box and just write whatever comes to you and, and, and not worry about if it's radio friendly or anything like that, it, it really just, it makes it more fun. And if we're not having fun writing songs and playing music, then uh, I don't really want to do it, um, you know? And that's, that's why having the right team, the right band, people that you can hang out with, that you can, that you can sit and drink with is, is almost more important than how good of musicians we are. Um, I, I, think, I think we're lucky to have that, to have great musicians that also can work together and, and spend time together and not want to, rip each other's faces off. <laughs> so I want to ask you the same question instead of going towards songwriting is, is the, in the live setting, the set list, how, how does that work for you guys? How do you, how do you build that or do you change up or? Um, I would say most, most nights are different lately. Um, we've definitely done really long tours and played pretty much the same thing every night. Um, but lately we've been switching it up quite a bit and, um, we our our drummer andrew is kind of the the leader of the set list um and uh yeah you know um we sit in the green room until about 10 minutes 15 minutes before the show and we look at andrew and we say so what's the set and then he goes on his phone and sends it to us about five minutes before the show and we write it down really quick and we go out there so it's not, it's not a, as big of a premeditative thought. Um, we're not like, oh, we're in this town. So tonight we're going to, you know, play this. It's kind of what we're feeling. I mean, I feel like you got to get the vibe of the room. You got to get the vibe of the what's going on around you because it affects kind of the songs you pick. And I think it, it's some subconscious thing that, that works out in that way that uh, if you wrote a set list before you made it to a venue, then you wouldn't know kind of how it feels. Yeah. I mean, you guys have a, a bunch of material to choose from. I'm going to assume you can do a lot. You do a lot of change up your set list because outside of what compilation live albums, you have about six or seven studio records. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff on there. There's, there's a lot of stuff we don't play and there's yeah. a lot of stuff that, that songs have been vetoed by members of the band because they don't want to play them. <laughs> um that's I always the worst by the way uh, well, I, I play in a band too and there's when there's a song you love to play but everybody else vetoes it it just pisses you off yeah uh we all kind of 
veto the same songs. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, but, but you know, I mean, we, we had quite a few years of playing a lot of the same material. And, um, you know, we, we letting a couple of things go. But then recently we brought them back. And when you bring when you when you let a song sit for a year or so and you bring it back, it's almost like it has a new life. It has like a new kind of passion around it. Um, and not every song is like that, but there's certain songs that kind of get into your skin and you're like, man, I don't want to do this song anymore because it's, it, you know, but then once you move past that and once you, um, you know, maybe play something that, that you haven't played in a while, it really sparks something else in you. Mm-hmm. So when he gives you guys a set list, like they, you, you can like reject something or do you just go with, with, you know, with what he has with the, I mean, we usually go with it because we trust him and, and, and he knows what, he knows what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he knows, he knows what we would say if he did something different, you know? Um, I mean, it's not a dictatorship. Um, we all, we all have a say in in what we want to do. Um, there's just, you know, there, it's easier to have someone give the suggestion first than to, just start yelling out song names and hope for the best. I think uh, the spontaneity must be, does that help at all to get energy in the show? Cause I'd heard Charlie star say the same thing when he writes the set list, he gives it to the band, like uh, very, not that uh, long before they go on. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it, it keeps you on your toes especially if it's a song that we haven't played in, in a week or so, or a few days, you know, it keeps you on your toes. It keeps it exciting. Um, it keeps it from, from phoning it in too much. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, I think it's definitely a good thing and it's how we do it. And so far we've enjoyed it. So we'll probably keep doing it for a while. So for you writing songs, are you the type of guy that picks up the acoustic guitar to write something or electric guitar or basically whatever's, whatever's around you? Um, it's mostly the acoustic, um, guitar, the piano. Um, but really I feel like, you know, once we get in the room and we start jamming, that's really when things, uh, really come out naturally. Um, I feel like if I sit down with an acoustic, my mind goes into, okay, this has to be a hit, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, and, uh, when we're in the room jamming, it's not, you don't think too much about that. So. I, yeah, and every song's different, man. I just uh, sometimes I'm just driving, and I just a melody comes to me, and I'm I just record it, and then figure out what to do with from there. <laughs> so, sound checks. Are you the type of guy who uses sound checks just to dial in your sound, or you or do you use those as some opportunities to to try some new things out? Um. We use it to make sure everything's working properly and that we can hear things. And that doesn't even matter because sometimes that it changes everything once a sound guy hits the wrong button and people are in the room. <laughs> so we, that's our hope. But there's so many times that it changes drastically by the time we hit the stage that I, at some points I'm like, I, why do we take our time to do that? Um, and those are only a couple shows out of the hundreds. So you just get jaded for those ones. Um, but you know, we, we do, we do a track that we, that we're comfortable with and, um, make sure that that sounds consistent to what we're used to. 
And then if we want to do a song that night that we haven't played in a while, we'll probably do that just to make sure it's still in our fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's if someone has a premeditative idea that, Hey, we should do this tonight. And, um, and then, you know, it, then it depends on how much time we have before showtime. If we have enough time to get dinner and we, we need to eat, then we definitely will go eat. Or if we, you know, if we just are feeling it, we'll jam a little bit and see what sparks and see what comes out. Um, yeah. So who, who are you, do you have like main influences, whether it's singer songwriter or bands that, that influenced you? Uh, how you write, play, how the band plays, the style of music. Yeah, I mean, some of my biggest influences are probably um, Ray LaMontagne and Amos Lee when it comes to songwriting. Yeah. Um, the obvious ones that I think everyone could probably just pick off the top of their head from hearing us one time is the Black Crows. Um, there you go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Almond Brothers. And, uh, you know, I mean, everything influences us. And I think the, the joy about us is that we all listen to quite a widespread panel of music um meaning like none of us listen to the same exact thing all the time and um i think it helps with with everything when it comes to writing and the stage and and how we perform and everything you get some gear talk jason that I was gonna I was gonna see if I could do some gear talk. I'm I'm a guitar guy. Yeah, good luck. I'm definitely I'm definitely the biggest gearhead in the band, hands down. I'm being what, uh, very facetious. I'm kidding. <laughs> what's your current rig look like? Like, what, what's your standard setup? Um, guitar to amp pedals. Yeah, my my main guitar right now is an Eastman Juliet. With Ooh, uh, an Eastman. So what? Wh- wh- why those yeah. guys? Well, we've been friends of Eastman for a bit of time, and they came out with this brand new electric guitar called the Juliet, and they asked us if we wanted to try it out, and we tried it out, and I said, I love it, I want it. So they sent us um, two Juliets to Europe and uh, sent us some for the States. So um, I love that guitar, and uh, they just came out with it, man, probably like a year and some ago. So we, we got to try out the first few and, and, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's the guitar on the cover of our live record too. So we're, um, we're good friends with them and, um, they've been great to us and they make great guitars. Interesting so body main, shape too. It's, it's very yeah. original, you know, like it's like almost a three thirty five, but a little bit of some of the old, like, um, uh, Fender, uh, Tornados. Like, it's like, it's, I don't know. It's like a, it's a little, it's, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, and it's super light, and uh, it sounds great, and it feels good in the hands. I mean, feeling good in the hands is the biggest thing for me, um, which is, you know, I pick up guitars that are supposed to be really nice and awesome, and I don't feel good, and I don't even care. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm all about the feel of it, so that's my main guitar. And then my secondary guitar is a, a Music Man Armada. Um, which I got from Music Man when they just started making their Armadas. I don't even know if they still make them or not anymore. And um, yeah, and then um, from guitar to amp. So then I'm running. I'm running a whopping three pedals. Okay. And one of them is a tuner. Um, the other two are uh, full tone, full tone Fat Boost and a full tone. Um, 
overdrive pedal. And uh, the full tone overdrive is on pretty much the whole time. And I just do the fat boost for the sweet Solo. leads I play. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, you and know then, what? Um, yeah. What's your amp? Um, my, my amp in the States is an AC 15. Box. Um, yeah. Yeah. Box AC 15. And then on the last European run, I was using a Supro Black Magic. Ooh, interesting. Well, how, what'd you think yeah. of that? It was great. Great amp. Just kind of my main thing. And, um, I, we had, I had an option of using AC 30 in Europe, but, um, it's just the, the small profile, um, of the black magic Supro just made it make more sense to me. Um, cause you never know kind of in, I mean, now we know in Europe we can afford to have a, you know, an AC 30, but there was a quite a few years where we didn't know we were going to end up and an AC 30 just was too much for some of those little rooms. So you're just written re-rent amps when you go over for your tours? Yeah. Yeah. From, from our, our, our booking company. So. Okay. That, you know, there's really, I think most guitar players will tell you, you just need a good guitar and a good amp and you can get the majority of sounds you want, you know? Yeah. And that's how I am. I mean, I'm, I don't have anything too crazy going on. <laughs> no. Um, piece of gear that you really want that you haven't got yet money's no object well um i would like to find a fender telly with a v-neck um that yeah my buddy has a, a fender telly with a v-neck and a pair of humbuckers in it and because there's the c-shaped necks the u the u-necks and the v-necks v-necks are kind of harder to find and mm -hmm. um i haven't really looked um and he won't let me buy it from him so i think that's probably my next thing <laughs> So everybody listening, be on the lookout for a V-neck telly and contact Robert John on the wreck if you have a lead on one. Yeah. Hey, maybe Greg Martin from the Kentucky Headhunters has one, but he likes it too much to sell it. <laughs> That's an inside <laughs> joke. Yeah. Charlie Starr is looking for uh, for uh, Marshall Flexi Flexi's. Yeah. Greg won't sell any to him. <laughs> he likes him Very disappointed by that. Yeah. Very disappointed. It makes sense to me. If you like something, don't get rid of it. <laughs> absolutely how many guitars do you own one two three four five i think i own five electrics and two acoustics you got a favorite brand of acoustic that you're using um not not really i i my first acoustic was it's called a tarata and they're out of japan and um this is my dad's guitar that he gave down to me and um, I just love that thing. And then I just use a, a Martin that uh, one of my buddies gave me because he moved and didn't want to move with it. Um, huh. That's my I main I wish I had one. a buddy like that. that. That's a good buddy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, he, every time I see him, he still says it's his, but <laughs> I put a pickup in it and gigged with it for way too many gigs. Um, and uh, yeah. And we just, we just got a little Yamaha like travel guitar for the van, you know, just something to have to, play around with it whenever but yeah that's it for me i mean henry's the henry's the one that has a uh, probably all the fun stuff for you i, I like to up. hear everybody's perspective i don't use a bunch of different stuff either good guitar good amp and i have a delay and a you know like a reverb and a boost and that's pretty much it and it's all built into one let me get my travel my practice case i just i use this <laughs> a fly rig tech 21 fly nice. rig and it has yeah. 
Yeah, it's everything I need. There's a tuner in it, boost, delay, reverb. Cool. That's it. If it's good enough for Richie Kotzen, it's good enough for me. <laughs> and it makes it easy because it's super light to travel with or, you know, practice, oh, sure. dig, whatever. It's it's great, you know. Again, I, I don't need anything crazy. I'm not doing, like, heavy metal music or anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's gear talk, Brian. We're, we're minimalists here between the two of us, so we can't talk too much craziness. <laughs> Well, Jason, is it that time of the show? That it is a natural progression. And um, Robert John, if, you, if you'd like to answer our couple stupid lightning round questions. Lightning round, let's do it. All right. You do a lot of these interviews. I do a lot of interviews in general. What are What's a question that no one ever asks you that you would want to be asked? How I'm feeling. Uh, so my follow-up question is, how are you feeling? <laughs> I feel great. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, Brian, we're learning, we're learning new ones already. We're learning new ones already. Um, when you were in Belgium, did you see in, in Brussels, did you see any statues of Jean-Claude Van Damme? No. I was in the That's where he's time. from. Um, yeah, that's what I've heard. You know, they should um, have they should have statues of him in the venue. I I think we should. We should call someone about that. Do you have a favorite Jean-Claude Van Damme movie? I couldn't tell you one. I couldn't even tell you a name of one. I've definitely seen um, them. Yeah, Bloodsport, which was his first one when we did the Kumite, uh, Kickboxer, um, Time Cop, um, the one where he's in a, a, a ice rink and he's trying to prevent a terrorist attack. I can't remember the name of that one. Oh, there's a lot. They're all pretty much the same. <laughs> I'll take a word for it. <laughs> I mean, he, he he does the splits and kicks people in the face in every movie. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. there's a common theme. A common theme. <laughs> um, oh, gosh, I lost my, my next train of question. Are you more of a person that would sit and read a book or watch a movie or like stream something? Stream something for sure. Do you have a good recommendation of a recent maybe series that you've watched that we should check out? Um, <laughs> man, um, if you asked me a year ago, I would have had a couple. Um, but I mean, I think the uh, last thing I watched was Last Kingdom. And I really, yeah, Last Kingdom. Have you guys seen it? I haven't, no. Oh, come on. What is you it? You got to watch it now. It's, uh, it's, it's like a Game of Thrones minus the dragons and shit. Okay. So it's a like kind of, kind of goes off actual history at, at some aspect. What's um, it's great. Like uh, Netflix? Netflix, I believe. Yeah. Okay. I'll mark it down. I was looking for something good to, uh, to watch last night. My son and I on Apple TV watched Tetris. The movie it was really good. It's like the whole story of how Tetris got out of Russia and distributed it is surprisingly like a thrilling story. So check it out. I will. Yeah. I mean, Apple TV's has some good ones too. I mean, I, I love Ted Lasso. I think it's hilarious. Ted yeah. Yeah. Um, We've been watching the last season of that. Severance was a weird, weird show, but it was great. Shrinking. Have you watched Shrinking? I haven't. I have it downloaded on my phone for a time in my life where I actually have time to watch yeah, it's again. good. My wife and I loved it. She got me to watch it with her. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if this is my thing, but I got something. I mean, Harrison Ford is really good. Let's definitely check it out. Nice. 
Favorite place to eat when you're on the road? Bucky's. Oh, so you're fucking... What do you like to get there? Um, I try to switch it up. So okay. last time we were there, we got the burritos that they have there. And the burritos are awesome. Bucky burritos. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, they have like a smoked turkey barbecue sandwich. It's awesome. And then, uh, I mean, all their, all their stuff's pretty great. That's just like a, I mean, light, lightning round. So I just said the first thing that came to my head. <laughs> well, we had a great discussion on this with um, Jared James Nichols about Bucky's. <laughs> he, he's also a fan. <laughs> nice. I wonder what he would have said. <laughs> I, uh, we asked a different, we're like, cause he's from like some podunk place in like basically Milwaukee or Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We asked like, Hey, what's a local place that you'd recommend? So for you, actually you're a Southern cow, orange County guy. What's a good local place to eat if we were out visiting that way? Um, uh, man, there's just, just Mexican food in general in Southern California is where it's fish at. tacos, I mean, man, fish tacos. Yeah. Yeah. There's a place called Baja fish tacos that I go to once a week and it's a place called Carmelitas and, um, man, there's a lot. I mean, and especially touring the States, um, like the real good Mexican food is what we have trouble finding. Um, but it's cause we're from Southern California. Right. So, right you know, what we're comparing it to is, you know, the best of the best. <laughs> yeah. Like you go on the Midwest and eat Mexican food. It's not quite the same as Texas, California, New Mexico, all that. Yeah. Yeah. Even Tex-Mex is, is a little different than what, than what we have, but uh, Tex-Mex is great. Um, yeah. You know, you can't so. go wrong with Mexican style food regardless. Um, what do you do in your time off on the road? Well, uh, we had a day off in Austin, so we floated down a river. Um, you, you rent tubes and and you float down a river. Cooler, and you drink cooler beer and, trailing behind you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was that was a blast. And uh, yesterday we had the day off, so we um, you know got the van worked on and uh, had some tacos. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so what I what I found is that that Little Rock is the birthplace of cheese dip. Really. Um, which I think is different than like a Tex-Mex queso dip. Yeah. It's just a cheese Nothing. dip. So then I was like, well, we got to go get some cheese dip in Little Rock. And so I found one of the higher rated places and went there and the cheese dip was great. Um, you know, Describe I just got it. tacos. Like what's the cheese dip like? Is the consistency? Little... <laughs> uh, there was just some good seasoning on it. And uh, okay. it was the proper consistency to dip a chip in. Like a white queso type of stuff? No, see, it wasn't no. the white queso. It was like the like the orange. Like the cheese, cheese whiz. Dip. Yeah. Holy yeah, shit. it definitely wasn't cheese whiz, though. Like nacho Anyways, cheese it was, you get at a ballpark. Yeah, but it wasn't as thick. It wasn't like a... It was more of a, a thinner consistency. So it, was, it wasn't like you're just putting blocks of cheese in your mouth. <laughs> Didn't know that. Didn't know this podcast was going to end this way, did you? <laughs> this is why we do a lightning round because you listen. All the stuff we talked about at the beginning is the stuff you talk about a million times. I like I like the normal behavior <laughs> type of stuff. So I just yeah. learned the story about the birthplace of nachos in this little town, border town of Texas. Did you know that the to make it an authentic nacho, you have to use Wisconsin cheddar cheese on it because that's what the original nacho was made out of. I didn't know that's the reason, but have you noticed that every time you get nachos, it's always with an orange cheese. It's never yes. really with a white cheese. Correct. You're very yeah. true. 
Interesting. I wonder if that's out of convenience or if they just, it's got to be, right? Like, not everybody can know, like, the original nachos had Wisconsin cheddar on it. I don't think everyone knows that. And I think you should really spend the rest of your life letting <laughs> people know that. It should be your goal. Well, I you know, like we do we have should, this podcast you know, platform. Yeah, yeah. So if this I start a nacho-based podcast. The <laughs> yeah, brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Um, Get a sponsorship. The, the, Fine, the, a sponsorship. Only, the only nacho cheese. You know, if I do, if we do a, a nacho inspired podcast, you're going to have to be the first guest on it because you share a love of the, of the cheese dip. <laughs> I'll gladly be, I'll gladly be. You talk about nachos for days. And we could use one of your songs as a theme song for the podcast too. Perfect. I, <laughs> I don't know what song that would be. I, I don't know, but you're I mean, gonna have to write it's it good. <laughs> concept album that's next for you yeah. guys concept album yeah. text mex and notch yeah we'll brainstorm some ideas <laughs> i can write a jingle for all one of those many, uh mexican restaurants in southern cal <laughs> yeah yeah they'll love it we'll, we'll hey guys we have a song we were, for you to play we were talking to dorothy from the band dorothy um yeah and she's from san diego Yes. I brought fish tacos because I'm a big, big fan. And she she couldn't re remember the name of the place that was her favorite, but they had like $1.99 fish tacos at some like gas station slash Mexican food place. I'm like, that sounds wonderful. I'm still waiting for her to tell me the name of that place. Yeah, I mean, I feel like gas stations most of the time are, are where you don't want food. But I mean, Kansas City, Oklahoma Joe's, is that a gas station? I mean, it says mom and pop and, places, and, right? That's what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm with you. I'll do. I'll do yeah, a fish taco you know. from a gas station. I'm not afraid. I'll totally try. Oh, well, I, I, I won't. But I, I think you should. As once again. <laughs> <laughs> so when I get done with a nacho podcast, we're doing the fish taco podcast. You can have Dorothy on that one. You can have Dorothy. She could be the first guest. Yeah. <laughs> whole new world in podcasting. A whole new world. Well, I'm sure food based podcasting is probably a thing. I'm just got to be. It's gotta be. Do you think there's a podcast that's only about nachos and has different guests talking about their nacho preferences? You know what? It's one of those things where I would not be surprised. I'd be surprised, but not surprised. Just because any fool can get a podcast. You you would you would you'd be nacho surprised. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was bad. But that's my type of bad, though. That was good. That's good. A quick wit on you. I like that. You so definitely can co-host the Nacho podcast. You'd be you do great. <laughs> All right, let me know. Okay, okay, I'll get you, get a hold of your management. Um, two, a couple more quick questions before we let you go. What are the last three artists that you've listened to or streamed? Well, hey, let's this this will be fun. You got it on your phone. Um, Pull it up. Yeah, yeah. Let's just go to Spotify and see the last three things it's I like. An open book quiz in the in the in the van. We play some really interesting games. Um, about how all of us kind of pick random songs to play in certain categories. And I don't know if my phone will allow me to think this hard. Yeah. It was a pipe dream. It's not working. Okay. Okay. But anyway, I mean, the last thing we heard in the van, it was probably, um, it was probably, man, it was probably a fifties Motown song. 
and it was probably a Willie Nelson song. And then it was probably um, maybe like a, oh, you know what? The other day we listened to Blue Oyster Cult record. Oh, wow. And um, were they California? Band? I couldn't tell you anything about them other than Why that they have know? a cowbell in one of their songs. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we listened to a lot of uh, Willie Nelson's Roadhouse on XM radio. Yeah. Celebrating his birthday. Over traveling. Yeah. And um, yeah. And, and we played a, we played cards last night. And we listened to the Braveheart soundtrack while we played cards. Interesting. Kind of makes it more, you know, dynamic yeah. and suspenseful at certain aspects. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great movie too. <laughs> yeah. Inspiring. Inspiring. So those are, those are the last three things I probably listened to. Okay. Uh, what is something that we'd be surprised to hear that you like, like a guilty pleasure type of music? Um, guilty pleasure. Problem is, I'm not guilty about anything I listen to. That's whatever. That's what all you guys say. So like I'm, if I I'm listen to it, to... it's good. Not guilty. But we, would we, what would somebody yeah. listening to this podcast who knows your music be like? I'm really surprised to hear those guys like. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I in high school, I grew up in the emo post-hardcore scene so i still love bands like thrice and thursday and taking back sunday and what about and, hawthorne heights did you listen to those guys hawthorne, no they were they were too much okay we were we were cooler than they were um <laughs> you know, they're from ohio i'm sure they are <laughs> So you've actually played shows um, in Ohio, Robert John. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I just that you know that whole era of um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, Thrice is one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, like Brian, so that's I'm probably something. That. That's probably something weird. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm surprised, especially with the type of music that you guys play. I'm like, yeah, but you know what? A good like like kind of you put it. A, an artist is you're going to appreciate pretty much anything that you hear. Yeah, and there's also there's also a nostalgia factor and and a growing up factor. You know, the band that you hear when you're 16 and you fall in love with, and the first band that you you go see every time they're close. Um, You know that that band you would, I mean, for me would be an ongoing love. Like you wouldn't be like, oh, well, now I'm 21 and I don't like Thrice anymore because. You know, it's 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 a it's a growing up thing, and I feel like a lot of bands that people listen to when they're young, when they're teenagers, when they're being influenced by everything going in their brain and and and, and body, um, are affected by music. Um, which is why I love. I mean, just the other night when we played in Texas, there was a, a kid there who was 11 years old and was more excited to be there than anyone else in that entire room. <laughs> um, so no, you you make a point of making sure they're having a good time, because they're going to remember that first concert that they went to for the rest of their life. Yeah. And, um, Do you throw him a pick or anything? No, but I uh, called him out on stage and made sure he's having a good time, and uh, we took we took pictures with him afterwards, and um, you know, made sure he had a good time because that's something he's going to remember when he's you know, ten years from now, and. Um, I think it's just important that that music is in kids' lives, and um, it's something that that you'll always 
it, it's like a, a memory bank. You know, I can remember yeah. the first time I heard the Eagles. I, I think I was playing Nintendo, like Super Mario, and I had the Eagles on. And I can like when so when the Eagles play, I go to, like I can see <laughs> Mario. You know, um, it's just weird how music has that that memory bank that that is created when you hear stuff for the first time. Pretty cool Absolutely. thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? You created a, a fan of your band for life and a rock and a rock fan, right? This kid's going to be into your music and into rock music. Yeah. I mean, once he like, you know, once puberty hits more, he'll probably like dive into hardcore and metal and, and angst, <laughs> angst and, and being upset. Yeah. But when he, when he grows up again, then he'll, he'll get back to us. Back to the twenties. He gets a little more mature. It'll be. Yeah. He'll come meet us in 15 years and be like, hey, I was at your show. And we'll be like, what? <laughs> I can't see anymore. I can't hear. <laughs> well, take your word for it, kid. <laughs> no, I love it. And you're 100% right. Like music evokes emotion and memory. You always yeah. tie back to like, you know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a little story in here as we end is I'm taking my wife to go see Belinda Carlisle in July because we grew up in the eighties and I, I was not a huge pop fan, loved go-go's, liked her stuff. And my, you know, it's a show my wife and I can both agree on and it brings us back to being young. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's part of it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right, man. Um, thanks for being on with us. Where do, where do our listeners go to find more about your band, where to buy your stuff, where you're on tour, yeah. all that good stuff. Robert John and the rec.com Robert J O N A N D the W R E C K.com. Um, we have everything up on there and that, that, that just leads you to Instagram and Facebook, which are updated all the time, about what we're doing, where we'll be and what we've been doing. And um, yeah. That's the best place to go to figure it out. And buy all and your we, stuff. We, at, yeah. buy, buy the records, the new live album. Yep, it's out now. Brian? So thank you so much to Robert John from Robert John and the Wreck. Uh, the latest single is Bring Me Back Home again. You got that correct? <laughs> Um, so thank you so much for being on and we really appreciate that like Jason said we've we've, uh, uh, wanted to get you on here for a long time so thanks for coming on yeah thanks for having me it was a blast thank you so much to Robert John from Robert John and the Wreck you got me thinking about nachos now and looking for a nacho now I'm hungry it's like well it's lunchtime right and like uh, yeah now I'm hungry we, dude, we got to. Ch- I got to check out to see if there's a nacho based podcast. That was funny, and his joke was funny in a dumb way, and I, I still am chuckling over that. Well, why not combine it? Nachos and John von John John Claude Van Damme. John Claude Van Damme. <laughs> a, a podcast nachos about and- John Claude Van Damme movies and nachos. <laughs> we can call it the Nacho Van Damme podcast. <laughs> Oh my God, we got to get off that. No, it was great talking to him, hearing a little bit about the band, lineup changes. We got a little gear talk, had a little fun, had the lightning round. I am really, I, I, you know, I've dug the recorded stuff, but again, like I said at the intro, hearing that live album just makes me really, really excited to, to, to hope, you know, to get to see them live someday. Mm-hmm. They're and on my list. About, uh, Eastman guitars, you know, most most guys we talk to, most people we talk yeah. to. Yeah. Fender or Gibson. So yeah, Eastman and I know Eastman a little out. bit. 
Um, they do some cool like body designs, but also <clears throat> they have one of the better quality Les Paul style guitars out there. In fact, they're really pricey. Like they're a couple thousand dollars. So mm -hmm. not only does it, is it a good comparison to a Gibson Les Paul, but the quality is there because they, they are expensive. So yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting to hear when somebody plays out of the big two or big three guitar styles. I like it. Yeah. And not a ton of pedals and Vox amps. You got old school, old just school guy here. Good guitar, good amp. You just go with it. Sure. So you guys, uh, hopefully you will go with us episode to episode and uh, listen to all the great guests we have, we have had coming up. And so, download, follow, subscribe, right? Follow indeed, us on all indeed. of our socials so you know more about these artists. And while you follow, just uh, remember, Southern Rock is reverent, loses blood. We'll see you next time. Sun. It's hard to sit still as you wait till the days are done.